0: The beginning, it really kind of um, derailed a lot of places. The thing with COVID patients is I don't think everybody understands, like, they're sick, you know, there's critically ill, and then there's COVID.
1: It is impossible to anticipate
2: where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the atomic area will attack next. If your power goes out, remain calm. Oh my goodness! Two, one, we gone. We gone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 31 of the First Hit Podcast. Today, we have a friend of ours from high school, an avid listener of the podcast, Shelby Johnson. Shelby is a physician's assistant. She works down in the Orlando area. Shelby's an avid listener of the podcast, as I've said. Shelby reached out to us on Instagram and she said, hey, guys, love what you're talking about. You're talking about COVID, Talk about the vaccines. I don't think what you're saying is right. So I want to come on and I want to tell you what it's like. Firsthand sitting in the room. Me and the always reference how important it is to have a conversation while you're in the room. And guess what? Shelby's in the room. So, here with us today, we have someone who firsthand, hotspot of Florida in the ICU, Shelby Johnson.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. And I did not, and not that you guys are wrong, but I, you know, just getting a public perspective on it is just different from, you know, what we see in the ICU. So.
2: There we go. So yeah, I know you want to hit the, the public with a disclaimer before you get started. So,
0: yeah. So um, obviously none of what I say is necessarily representative of any of the institutions or hospitals that I represent or work for. Um, and also nothing that I say is necessarily meant to be taken as medical advice. And please seek out you know counsel from your physician if you have any concerns.
2: I like that. So like that added instant credibility to our episode. That did, That just lifted the level of credibility. Wow. But every time someone gives a disclaimer, it, it just boosts our <laughs> rate that what they're talking
1: about. Yep. They're so like, "Here we go." We should is start, start doing hot. that, bro. Right. I should start dropping my real estate license number. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Agent number three five eight five one six. Anything maybe about insurance? You, need you just got to <laughs> drop your, uh, your your number. State number. I like that. I like that. Cool. Oh, okay. Here we go. Shall before we get
2: started, you sipping on anything fancy today?
0: No, nothing fancy, just water. I got to work in the morning, so.
2: So, okay, but you just came off the night shift, right?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: How's that? So. Before we dive into COVID, what's, what's the balance like doing
0: that? Um, so, it's funny how everyone has like a pre and post COVID kind of mm-hmm. lifestyle. Pre COVID, my life was really nice with so my job. You know, I worked pretty much all days. We, you know, we had the staff where I could, you know, kind of have all the shifts that I wanted. Um, And now as COVID has been around, I'm now kind of a mix between like nights and days, mostly nights. um, Now that I've kind of gained experience and kind of graduated from day shift, um, it's been rough being on night shift. I don't like nights.
2: (laughs) Is it a a different, I have some friends that are nurses and, and work in the hospital system. Is it like a different crowd, especially now with COVID? Is the night different than the night used to be? Night
0: shift is, well, night and day shift are very different in like kind of your goals. Like day shift, you really try to come up with a plan um, and you try to, you know, stay really organized. At night, you're really just trying to like, you know, put out fires, address anything that's really needs to be, um, you know, addressed in that moment. Um, You're not worrying about, you know, the little things so much. So in that respect, like it can be interesting because it's really a lot more dynamic at night um, because you're really just dealing with emergencies but as far as physically just staying up all night and your eating habits and like when do you work out like it's just that part's rough
1: telling you right now i couldn't do it yeah dude and you see the look on my face me too i've been like there have been like crazy studies done right regarding like your like inner circadian and
0: oh yeah
2: is it you have, it have a higher
0: thing? risk of dying at right. night
2: Whoa. Dude, she's coming on to talk about COVID, and she's just staying up all night. Just out here, yes, yeah,
0: I know. I'm like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, taking <laughs> yourself
1: like, out another way.
0: <laughs> I would do these nights, and I'm like, oh my god, like I can feel my blood pressure going up yeah, and my no. heart rate going oh, up. Oh no! i guess so. I'd be shocked. We'll we
1: both be shocked. I would literally be bed day one. Yeah, I'm. I'm in bed by ten o'clock.
2: Are there ever any times that you're sitting there and or does like time pass differently? Like, not in a casino, time passes differently because they pump an air into it. I don't it but <laughs> they do um at mm-hmm. night in the hospital the do you your time? Open your problem, or do you do you get like have you ever been hit with a moment like wow it's 5 a.m i'm very tired
0: yeah usually that's exactly the time that it really hits you i feel like the night shifts go really quickly especially if you're busy like all of a sudden you're halfway through your shift and you're like oh my god it's midnight and i you know i feel like i haven't got anything done and then all of a sudden at around like 4 a.m you like time slows down and it's like every minute is just excruciating and mm-hmm. it you know and then you're like just like oh my god i'm waiting for seven o'clock so my shift can end
2: and you do 12s do you do seven to seven
0: uh yeah i do 12 um larges. Yeah.
2: But Nursing larges dude people that work in the hospital system like nurses and, right. and right. hours doctors
1: right. different breeds man they yeah. really are. People don't get it. Mm-hmm. But That's it was it really nice. nice for
0: the, usually my, uh, like, my schedule was really great because I work 14 shifts a month. And now that, um, you know, I've really switched to, like, kind of more part-time, um, I, w- I will. Now with Delta, it's not happening. But I was supposed to be only doing, like, 10 shifts a month. So, like, you know, essentially, or hopefully, eventually, I'll have really 20 days off a month, basically. Mm-hmm.
2: So. So let's dive into why you came on. Let's talk mm-hmm. about what brought you here and why you want to come on. <clears throat> you feel as though there's misinformation being spread and you think that the public is getting a skewed vision of what's actually happening. And You're in Florida and you're in the ICU, correct? What I said? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I work um, pretty much exclusively in ICUs ranging from medical ICUs to neuro ICU, cardiac. Um, I kind of do the whole range.
2: So what are you seeing what made you passionate about talking about this
0: so i think it was just you guys were talking about you know uh here we go
1: <laughs> hit us I know and we it was not and not this us. is not,
0: i know you guys are both very reasonable people and i think most people are um and it's we'll just you know move. how like you know oh. for a lot of people how they're able to access businesses or be able to have people have access to their business you know that's their primary concern um A lot of times people don't think about what really goes on inside the hospitals. I think we have kind of a, you know, as a whole, this idea that if a pandemic is bad and it's real, people are dying in the streets and it's, you know, it looks like, you know,
1: like the Black Plague. Wow. Like the Black Plague. plague. That's exactly what popped in my brain when you said that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's really not realistic. You know, a lot of, you know, when we have, you know, a pandemic, and this is really kind of a novel situation that we're in for modern times, um, at least in the U.S., where we really have, you know, an overwhelming number of, you know, infected people with COVID, and, but it's all contained in the hospital, so you really, if you're not in there, um, and especially if you're not even in a place where you're dealing and treating with COVID patients, you know, and um, especially in the ICU, you don't really see kind of, you know, like, why did we shut down and why, why do we need these mask mandates? And why, why do we need, uh, why are some people pushing for the vaccine? And although I don't necessarily, um, you know, support any, you know, any one particular thing, I think I know, for example, the reason why we had to shut down, especially at the beginning, like when COVID first came to the U S and everything was shut down, you know, and we kind of, you know, we really needed that time to kind of stockpile. We had no supplies. Like, we were not ready. We didn't have masks. We didn't have, you know, even just the sterile
1: gown. We didn't have like, toilet paper. We didn't have toilet we didn't
0: paper. Have tele- paper. We were not For <laughs> weeks.
1: <laughs> I had to go to New York. My mom had to help me uh, stock up. No way. Yeah, you know what you sent me down with, like, four nice. packs of toilet paper. Size. Uh size. Paper towel. I have, I have pictures of it. I'll send it to you after this. I believe that. But, yeah, you're spot on. We really had to take a, take a step back. Russia doesn't talk about our supplies. She's not on no, no, no. She, I think she meant supplies in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. Uh, life supp- <laughs> well, supply. Yeah. Life
0: supplies.
1: In the hospital. That's true. They a lot of toilet paper. The people who were swiping the shelves were affecting the hospitals, and I need them to know that. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're talking nonsense again. Shelby, get back. <laughs> so Please. at the
0: beginning, What's they mean? were kind of like, okay, like here's your one N95 mask, and you have to wear this every day for 12 hours for, you know, who knows how long until you get a new one. Speaking um, of Mm -hmm. And so we really needed that time. And I think, you know, looking back in hindsight, we can say, yeah, maybe we overreacted, we kind of overestimated, you know, we shut everything down. We shut down, um, you know, elective surgical services, a lot of these things to kind of make room for these COVID patients. Um, And it wasn't necessarily as bad as we thought, at least with the first surge. Um, And, you know, so then everyone looks at us and like, well, why do we, why did we do all this? Why did we shut down? Well, I think we really needed that time to, First of all, like collect ourselves, prepare, um, and the initial data that we had at the time um, coming from what you know what China basically told us was that you know upwards of you know five to ten percent will need ICU level care. People who you know contract COVID, you know, potentially ten percent of the people could need ventilators, and so that was a really you know kind of stark statistic that we got from their data. Um, and because we didn't know really about asymptomatic cases at that time, um, you know, testing wasn't so widespread at the beginning, um, and it was actually really hard to get testing. Um, you know, like I remember being in the hospital and like I thought that they had COVID, you know, but unless they had X Y Z, like oh they had traveled to China or this or that or they met certain criteria, you couldn't get a COVID test. Um, and we really lost ground with that um, at the beginning, so we really needed that time, like with those shutdowns, to kind of prepare and collect ourselves. Um, as time went on, we got a lot better with, you know, how, how we chose to treat COVID and what worked and what didn't. Um, and now it's a little bit better. Delta has brought a whole new game though. Um, Delta was really not anything that I think any of us were expecting. I was like, oh, COVID's over, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I got my vaccine, we're all good. We're all gonna go back. I'm gonna have a normal summer. Um, and then that didn't happen.
2: Okay, so <clears throat> fine. We took the time and we got back to it, and, and whatever you said it was needed to gather supplies. That's mm-hmm. fine. While during the let's talk the original era because you were there firsthand for both. Correct. we were in Florida mm-hmm. for both, and Florida mm-hmm. got crushed. As the Pennsylvania had a bad beginning. We were fifth in total cases. Um, It got a little crazy here for yeah. a little bit. Did you? <clears throat> let's actually talk ventilators first, mm-hmm. and say say someone doesn't know who's listening, me, right? Why were they so important, and what? What is happening when someone checks in for COVID and they come to you, they're in the ICU, they're in a bad spot now. What have you seen? What what is going on?
0: So, um, and, and really our strategies for, you know, when we intubate people or put them on the ventilator have kind of changed throughout the pandemic. Um, initially when we came in, it was, the concern was that people who come in needing oxygen, that they have this rapid progression, um, to, you know, where it's called, um, acute respiratory distress syndrome. So you get this kind of inflammation throughout your lungs. Um, and that can happen very quickly. So when people are coming in, they're needing oxygen and their oxygen saturations are extremely low. Um, the The thought was like that, the, the, they will progress is um, so likely that you would need to put them on the ventilator very quickly. So Mm -hmm. at the beginning, we were kind of putting everyone, you know, who was needing high amounts of oxygen on the ventilator. Um, And now it's a little bit better where we're kind of trying to use alternatives um, such as like high flow nasal cannula, which is basically like just the thing that goes in the nose and it's a super high current of air where you can deliver high amounts of oxygen very quickly. Um, so, you know, when you need to go on the ventilator, what happens really is you have a number of different reasons. One, it's just you're not able to maintain your oxygen saturation. Um, so your oxygen levels are, very, you know, dangerously low. Or so I come in, um, I
2: come in, I put the thing on my finger mm-hmm. and the number's really low. Is that correct? Yeah, That's what triggers that? Okay.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> the little you thing, so like numbers. a pulse socks. Yeah. So yeah. we watch that. Um, like and what? We,
2: what numbers but, were you seeing? <sighs>
0: So what's weird about COVID, and there's still a lot of things we don't know or really fully understand. um, They got this COVID patients got this term um, called "happy hypoxics," which meant that they would come in and they would say they're short of breath. They would get put on oxygen. You know, maybe they would have a little bit of symptoms, but their degree of how low or how hypoxic their you know their oxygen levels were, how low it was. Was kind of out of proportion to how symptomatic they were. Um, so normally, if you would have someone who was only having oxygen saturations in you know the the eighties, they would be really short of breath. They you know and they would be really working really really hard. But a lot of the times, these people would come in and they they're saturating in like you know upper seventies eighties, and they're like, yeah, I feel short of breath. You know, it was very strange. Their oxygen levels are dangerously low and to the point where it's, it's low enough that um, the way oxygen kind of, the way it works in the body is like you kind of, there's a a, a, far, a far cliff that you can kind of fall off of when your oxygen levels drop too much. And um, a lot of people were right on the edge of that cliff where potentially their hearts could stop and they're not really mm-hmm. having that much symptom. They're short of breath, but not as short of breath as they should be maybe. Um, So when people would come in, they'd have dangerously low, you know, they're saturated in the 60s, 70s. um, And, you know, we put them on high amounts of oxygen and they're still, you know, barely maintaining. They're doing okay, but they're, you know, for the amount of oxygen they're on, their oxygen is actually really low.
1: Um,
0: So, hmm? go
1: ahead. I I always wondered, I was like, what would it be, what would it be like if you were, one of those patients just get rushed into the hospital and it's like, okay, you just think you're going in with, you know, maybe there's a normal flu or maybe you're sick. And then all of a sudden your life gets accelerated. So now you're on a ventilator. Yeah. Did you see cases that evolved like rapidly?
0: A lot of times they do have, like, it it usually happens like one of two ways. Either someone is like on this course and we're kind of watching them, you know, they're on high amounts of, um, oxygen, either from high flow or something called BiPAP. If you've known anyone who has like sleep apnea, it's kind mm-hmm. of a similar thing. Um, you know, we're watching them on that. They're on a hundred percent maxed out on anything we could give them, but they're riding. They're okay. They do all right. Um, and then there's other people who come in and within, you know, 48 hours, it's usually you kind of watch the trend and it, it, it seems to be either one way or the other, either you kind of have this slow decline or You just, in 48 hours, you know, you go from like being able to breathe normally, just the room air to all of a sudden you're maxed out on the ventilator. We're doing everything we can. Um, And even then it's not necessarily enough.
2: And now, okay. So that was the beginning. And, and have you seen a trend where, because we're learning, right? I would Mm -hmm. assume in the hospitals, everyone's learning trial and error. They're learning. Have you guys gotten better? Like, have you seen a decrease, you think, in your experience of deaths or how you guys are handling this? Or did Delta come in and just derail everything?
0: At the beginning, it really kind of um, derailed a lot of places. The thing with COVID patients is I don't think everybody understands, like, they're sick, you know, there's critically ill, and then there's COVID, you know. COVID is a whole other animal compared to what even most ICUs deal with, you know, when you're really sick, when you're on the ventilator, you know, this is not something that we do, you know, the things that we have to do for COVID is not something that we do, you know, every day, especially in smaller hospitals. Um, So, you know, I worked primarily, um, you know, at some of the bigger hospitals in Orlando um, but I also did help out with some of the smaller campuses and the difference between, you know, the big like mothership hospitals versus some of the smaller campuses you know, was stark, you know, so a lot of these small hospitals don't know necessarily, even though they're ICU equipped, how to deal with people who are this sick, who are needing this much support. So when you're in, um, when you have a severe COVID, um, and you're on the ventilator, we're doing all kinds of crazy things like with the ventilator settings and even with stuff like, um, something called proning, where we put, we kind of flip people over on their bellies. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, to try to help um, maximize their, basically, their, their oxygen flow to kind of some of those dependent areas of the lungs. Mm. Um, And this is something that's incredibly labor intensive, because a lot of these patients tend to be overweight, and you're trying to manually kind of flip them over there on their bellies every, you know, every couple of hours, Um, you have them on, you know, high level medications, high level vent support, a lot of these smaller hospitals weren't necessarily used to dealing with this kind of thing. Um, and it was kind of learning curve, especially for them, less so kind of the bigger, you know, like university hospitals and things like that. But a lot of these smaller hospitals really had to learn how to deal with people who are listening <laughs> That's,
1: That makes me think about like when I was in a, about a year ago, yeah, almost a year ago, exactly. I was down in a, well, I was up in Mount Sinai, the hospital in Manhattan, because mm-hmm. I passed out and I had to spend two days in the hospital. And just sitting there, well, the first night just trying to get into a room, the, the amount of checks and things that they just had to go through just to make sure that I was separated into a room that was away from the COVID patients and all the different things that they had to do just to get me in a room made me think. I was like, imagine how many people are coming in just with regular issues, you know, or still coming to the emergency room trying to get rushed up to, you know, to get some other like service or treatment. And then on the other side, you're dealing with all these other patients who are coming with COVID. But initially, you don't even know who has COVID as they're coming in the door. For me, I had to sit there and wait for my COVID results for probably four to six hours. In the room? In a room? Just on the emergency, just still so in the emergency room before I could go upstairs. You know, they're saying like, we have to figure out if you have COVID first before we can figure out which side of the hospital will move you on. And then within that time, I'm probably, I probably heard another 10 people get checked in within the next hour. And then you think they have to go through that same process with each and every single person. Super strenuous. It's crazy. And like you're saying, thing about a uh, smaller hospital that doesn't have that type of staffing, that doesn't have that type of training. What, what do well, you do? That's a good know? point.
2: Well, let's ask her. So, so you said that you went, you were at some mothership hospital. I'm sure Orlando has beasts of hospitals down mm-hmm. there, as Philadelphia does. <clears throat> and you worked at smaller hospitals, as Philadelphia also has. Was there as publicized right cnn was all over it multiple news networks were all over it hospitals are flooded no beds did you experience that like yeah max occupancy or you saw that firsthand yes
0: actually um right now is kind of the worst i would say that it's been um really? wow. as far as bed availability yeah um we were always like you know with each little wave we had some over the summer in july and then we had you know, a kind of another little uptick kind of over the, you know, the past winter um, where we had limited beds. We were, at, at times, you know, we were running like almost what I, what felt like double our usual ICU volume because we were adding additional units, expanding them um, and things like that, especially at some of the bigger campuses where we had that capability. But now with Delta, um, so one of the major um, hospital systems in that, you know, kind of, uh, services, the central Florida area is, um, Advent health, um, which is, you know, a place that, um, I work, um, often and they've been at what's called black status, which means that everything gets shut down. They, you know, they have so many patients that they're not really able to take on anything extra Um, And they shut down, you know, routine, you know, elective surgeries and things like that in order to try to accommodate as many um, COVID patients as they can. Um, And even with all of those changes, um, we're still running, like some of the ICUs are double or more their usual capacity. Um, And we, there's no beds. Like I was there the one night and, you know, I went down to the emergency room to see, like we're holding people in the emergency room you know, and they're like, Oh, aren't, aren't you going to try to find this guy a bed? I was like, we have no bed. Like there's no beds anywhere. <laughs> um, and you know, thankfully a lot of places, you know, do have, you know, especially financially, if they are able to do this, you know, bring in staff from other areas and, you know, basically tra- pay like travel nurses and things like that, um, to come in and, and kind of help take care of these people. But yeah, I mean, we're at least in Florida right now, it you know, this is kind of the worst that we've seen it as far as, you know, available beds in, in this area that I'm in.
2: Is the, dem- is the demographic that's seen, and the only reason I ask these questions is because, like you said, a big problem right now is misinformation <laughs> across the board, both sides, right? All, all ideals. It's hard to trust what you see. Based on what you're seeing, do statistics hold current? So, like, are the elderly the majority of the people that you're seeing? Those who are obese, those with comorbidities, are, is that? Have have you seen an influx of young people or is it like mostly what the news says it is or what the CDC says it is? Basically, the older you are, the more at risk you are and the more likely you are to end up in front of you.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, any respect, you know, age, um, obesity is a big one, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, those things do play a part. Um, and And certainly, especially with the first couple of waves, we really saw that, you know, so the thing is like with COVID patient, like just because you're young and healthy, you know, healthy, um, doesn't mean like you probably won't die from COVID, but it doesn't mean that you won't get seriously sick. I think a lot of people kind of forget about that. There's like mortality if you'll die and then there's morbidity, you know, what, you know, what basically like the hit that your body takes from an illness. Um, so in general, Um, The ones who died, yes, were, you know, the elderly, Um, but we still saw a lot of young people um, who made it through, but maybe not like, they're not necessarily going back to their lives before, you know, they, you know, I sent a lot of young people to go essentially live in nursing homes because they're on high levels of oxygen or on a ventilator uh, long-term and things like that contrasted to now, um, we're actually mostly seeing what I would consider young. <laughs> um, and actually, I, I think AdventHealth Health um, released information, I saw it like in the news, that um, 50% of the admitted COVID patients, I believe, were less than 40. Um, and I think that's total. So it's not necessarily just ICU. As far as in the ICU, what I'm seeing is we are seeing a huge uptick in the number of young people. We still get the occasional, you know, elderly person, but a lot of them really are, you know, I'm seeing 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s um, being the like primary demographic right now in the ICU. Um, Still risk factors like obesity and things like that play a role. um, But, you know, I think people have to keep in mind that 70% of the adult population in the US is overweight or, or obese, you know, this like the, the majority of people are at risk. Um, and I think a lot of people will kind of forget that, um, that, and, and I mean, otherwise they're healthy, they may be overweight, um, but they don't have like debilitating problems. And, you know, these are young people, like these are our young people who are, you know, have had little children. We've actually seen a lot of pregnant women as well um, who, you know, mm-hmm. need to be on ventilators and have emergency C-sections and things like that. So um, certainly with Delta, we are seeing younger and it's like mostly unvaccinated. Um, uh, 90 to 95% of the people are, are unvaccinated in our ICUs.
1: So when you think about, you know, like you said, some a lot of people are still at risk, you know, and moving forward, we have to figure out what we can really do, you know. So when you when you think about it, is there any recommendations you can give to, you know, the rest of the community, the rest of our listeners and say, Hey guys, you know, we know things are opening back up, but let's still try to implement this maybe into like our day-to-day lives or try to avoid
0: this. Yeah. I mean, obviously the most, you know, critical one is getting the vaccine Um, with Delta. It's less effective at just um, preventing illness itself. um, But it's still very effective at, preventing like critical illness um and certainly death so you know definitely get vaccinated it's really the best thing you could do um i can talk about risks and things like that um if you know if that would be something interesting um but
2: that would be interesting so i have a question also then on the vaccine right you're harping to, to get it that's fine Have you seen individuals come in with strange adverse effects? Because it's been stated that it's super rare, right? The percentage Mm -hmm. is insanely low, much greater percentage of getting very sick with COVID than to see an adverse effect. Do you think that that statistic holds true based off of what you've seen or have you yourself physically seen adverse effects that are frightening?
0: So I have not personally seen or heard from any of my colleagues or anything like that or, you know, anywhere of people coming in for like severe adverse reactions. I believe maybe one, you know, I heard of one case of actually, you know, somebody having an anaphylactic reaction, but those are kind of standard for really any medication that you can, you know, or vaccine or whatever. Um, really the side effects um, even, so you can actually look it up. Um, they had, there's a, a reporting um, system for like adverse events from vaccines. Um, and they're really minimal. They kind of, I'm not saying they get blown out of proportion. You know, we definitely, like, all these things should be investigated. This should be looked into. We want things to be as safe as possible. Um, but in general, so I think people get this idea, like, with a vaccine, because you're preventing an illness and not, like, you have a disease and now you're trying to fix something. So if something mm-hmm. bad happens, it's, like, so much worse. You're like, well, if I didn't get the vaccine, I was fine before, and now I'm not. Well, you don't know what would have happened if you didn't get the vaccine. You know, you could have gotten Mm -hmm. critically ill or, you know, had any number of side effects. So vaccines get this really bad rap, I feel like, in the public eye where, you know, there's literally nothing, especially in medicine that we do, that doesn't involve some level of risk. No matter how benign or simple it is. That's such um, a
1: good point. It is.
0: You know, I'm more afraid of taking an antibiotic than I am of getting a vaccine um, mm. because antibiotic, you know, can cause a lot. Of you. you can get severe, you know, like C. diff, like, a, a you know, a really bad infection after taking the antibiotic. You know, um, you can have something called Steven Johnson syndrome where basically your skin's floss off. Like Johnson crazy Johnson things Johnson can Johnson. happen from like from things like that versus the vaccines, which, which are usually mm-hmm. pretty minimal, first of all. And in generally, in general, the the side effects that you can get from the vaccine are similar to that, like that which you can get from the virus itself. Right. For example, something called Guillain-Barré, which is kind of an uh, immune-mediated reaction against, you know, aspects of nerve cells, which can cause like weakness. And whenever you hear something, oh, someone was paralyzed from the the flu vaccine. Um, that can also happen with the flu virus itself, and in general, it's more common to get Guillain-Barré from influenza virus versus the vaccine.
2: Is that um, how you what say that, Guillain-Barré?
0: Guillain-Barré.
2: That's how, is that? Is that? The, I always thought it was Guillain-Barré. <laughs> <laughs> I think that dude, I think I'm right. I, I think, think there's it's
0: multiple pronunciations of it, but Gilles that's Bray, how
2: she said it. Too. What did you think it said? Gillian Bear. Dude, I think I'm right, dude. I, when I, I you Bear. know, when I
0: first read it in like back when I was in Peace school, that's what I thought it was too.
1: And you were trying to judge me <laughs> for saying you were really? the other day. Okay. You know, we all have our moments. Did you hear the way she said it? Guillain
2: and I thought it was Gillian, I'm much positive it was Gillian Bear. If I was like, if I walked into the hospital and I I like
1: Googled it and I was experiencing things, you know, I like tell the doc, I'd be like, doc, I got, I got Gillian Bear, man. And they would spend the next two days trying to figure out what it is he's talking about. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you could trust me. I was just mm. double checking.
0: And with so another kind of side effect uh, that was really like in the media was um, the issues with like clotting that people were having after the, especially the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, like unbeknownst to, I think a lot of people, I don't know if they know, the, it causes, little, COVID causes a lot of respiratory issues, but it also causes a lot of profound clotting issues as well. Um, you know, we were seeing people come in with something called pulmonary embolism, which so is basically clots in the lungs, clots, DBTs, clots in the legs, you know, strokes, heart attacks, things like that. Um, from the virus. So like, yeah, some, you know, people got it from the vaccine, but the risk of having a clotting issue from that is so minimal versus what you'd get with actually having COVID. Um, I, so I personally did not see this patient, but I heard, you know, I was talking to one of my colleagues and she actually had a young, um, I think he was he, she, he was in his twenties. Um, and he came in because he basically, he had COVID um, wasn't feeling well, started having some abdominal pain came in. Um, and what happened was he essentially clotted off his entire, um, the arterial system that supplies his, his gut, like his bowels and everything. Um, and so when that happens, like it is not a good situation Mm -hmm. when your gut dies, you die. Um, and you know, and he ended up passing away. So like these kind of crazy things, like if we talked about all the crazy stuff that can happen with COVID. You know, I don't, I don't know compared to that of the vaccine, like if the vaccine, you know, would be significant to anyone and, uh, you know, things like Guillain-Barre and stuff like that are kind of expected anytime you have an immune response, you know, Guillain-Barre is a possibility.
1: Yeah. You know, you brought up a good point earlier about, I don't know if the vaccine has just become like the current scapegoat. Like if people just have something to blame now, you know, because like you're saying, if you're like, okay, you might not have gotten this if you didn't take it, but how do you know? You know, now they're going to jump to it. Like, mm-hmm. you see, I took the vaccine, and now I got this. Well, mm-hmm. if you didn't take the vaccine, and you still got COVID the same week, what would you then blame? You know, it's almost like we talk about like politics. It's like, okay, we always look for a person to blame, but we never, like, think about mm-hmm. the process or, like, what, what was the whole thing behind the scenes that went on here? How did we get to this point? No, we're just looking for the end points of blame, right? There's always that scapegoat in every situation that we try to, like, no matter like what community or group you're a part of that you can always get behind like, Oh yeah, you know what? That's the thing that we can be concerned about. Or that's the thing that we should, should blame now for the issues. You know, you never, you, cause just like you're saying, you hear a lot of, people are quick to talk about the adverse effects or even when people were getting COVID and rushing to the hospital, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, but then you start hearing about all the pre-existing conditions that people are now going there with all the other comorbidities that you're talking about. And now it's like, are, are we having a full conversation about this? Or once again, are we just blaming it and saying, well, this is why this is happening? Yeah, thinking about it, like once again, like holistically and seeing the whole thing through. Yeah. I mean, well, I think people always get white pictures because it makes them feel better. That's the never ending problem, yeah. huh? For sure. It's not going to change.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's why we bring on people like Shelby. That's right. So she can talk about it. <laughs> you know, help Rod, you know, expand the conversation. Right. It.
2: So, um, Have you seen an evolution of treatment? So are you do you think we're getting better, right? So say, I I shall be, I'm here, I'm in the ICU. I think we're getting better. We're trying new methods where that's because that's statistically are going down, right? I know, like you said, that doesn't mean that people aren't going to have lifelong problems, long haul COVID, fine. But do you think that the United States or the systems that you have worked in are getting better?
1: Long, you really man. just want to know when we're really just going to be
2: outside? I, I'm, I think I'm that's trying I'm to, to get her to a point where she's to, like, "Hey, Albert, can I'm you like, give us really a date?
1: <laughs> we know you can't say some definite things. but you can't speak for anybody, but give yeah. us a date. No. Can we go back outside before the new year? Well, we yeah. are all, all the way outside. We're outside. We're Who not knows? Outside. I safe. mean,
0: it really COVID is, and that's the thing is that everything changes so much every day, and it's mm-hmm. really hard. And I think that's another thing that people have a hard time with. We really have been privileged in this country to usually have things go pretty well for us and that you know it, the, the worst thing we have to deal with is like inconveniences from covid which you know i know can be you know more than just inconveniences sometimes no i
1: mean that's a but, really
0: you know we really like on one hand i guess it's good that everyone looks around and is like oh this stuff is ridiculous that we're doing because we we're so privileged in this country to in general, like have the resources, have, you know, be able to have beds available for us and we can, you know, we can be treated in a hospital, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we kind of get used to a lot of those luxuries. But I think we, we also kind of get used to, oh, we always have the answers right up front and we know everything right from the get-go. And we, and we don't, you know, medicine is still an evolving practice, especially when you have something new like COVID, we, we're not going to have all the answers right up front. We're going to make mistakes. Like we're going to have to backtrack. We're going to have to say, you know what, we, we did that. We tried it and it really didn't work. For example, at the beginning, nobody knew what to do with COVID. And we were basically throwing anything at it that maybe had, like someone, you know, across the world said, Hey, I tried this and it worked. You know, we were trying everything from like vitamins, vitamin C, zinc, you know, we tried hydroxychloroquine, you know, we were actually using that pretty universally, at least where I was at the beginning, because we had nothing else, you know, we were just like, we, you know, risk versus harm. Okay. You know, we, we just, we have to try for these people. We have to do something, you know, we can't just have them come in and, you know, watch them suffer. So, you know, we did try that. It didn't really help. And since then they've done, you know, the standard of practice, you know, double-blind placebo-controlled trials with things like hydroxychloroquine, and they didn't really work. Things that we're doing right now, um, we are using, you know, steroids. So a lot of times we use like dexamethasone. Um, the idea behind that is, it, you know, it reduces some of the inflammation, kind of mitigates some of that immune response mm-hmm. that it, it's not necessarily the virus itself. Um, but it's the body's almost reaction to it, and kind of this really severe and out of control inflammation in the body that causes um, you know a lot of a lot of the downstream effects of Covid. Um so we're using that. We're using something called remdesivir, which is um, an antiviral medication that helps um, you know reduce the replication of the virus um, monoclonal antibodies are something that's emerging a little bit more. They seem to be like, of all things, you know, more promising. Um, a lot of these other therapies that we have to keep in mind, like they don't make you better, like where you're fine. Like they, the difference is not, Oh, you come in and you were going to die, but now you got this and you know, and you're 100% better. The, the difference is, is like, maybe you're less likely to die, you know? So, you know, keep that in mind. Really the best thing, and I I can't stress this enough, is that we have right now is the vaccine in preventing before it even starts, you know, severe illness and and death. Um, Maybe the monoclonal antibodies will, you know, show some, you know, really strong effects, you know, over time. Um, But it's funny how people are like, oh, I don't want the vaccine, you know, it's not proven. But there's so much data on that, you know, these are trials with 30, 50,000 people versus, you know, maybe a couple thousand with some of these other experimental things. Sometimes they're not even, you know, standard of care, you know, trials. They're just like like observation studies and things like that. So um, there's so much less data on these other things. Um, And these are not necessarily all just benign simple medications. You know, monoclonal antibodies tend to have, you know, very strong effects. For example, um, tocilizumab one that we're using um, kind of modulates the immune system um, to, we use it in really severe people. So people on the ventilator and things like that, we have to weigh the risk and the benefit because in using it, yes, you may mitigate some of that inflammatory response, but you can also be at risk then for um, secondary infections. So like bacterial infections. And what we've seen with this medication is that, um, at least from my observation, um, I have not seen the official data come out on this, but, you know, we give this medication, maybe it helps a little bit with their oxygen, maybe they get slightly better, but then a week later, all of a sudden, now they have some multi-drug resistant organism growing in their lung, you know, and it kind of derails the whole purpose. So like, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't, um, you know we're really just like I said a lot of these medications produce the risk of death but they don't necessarily matter. it's not going to be the difference between you being on a ventilator 100% and you walking out of here unscathed
2: so we're getting better
0: yeah I mean we've <laughs> learned a lot like we've had getting to change breeze. a lot of our practices with yeah. how we how we even manage ventilators and things like that when to intubate you know we kind of started even, and even just from knowing the, the clinical course, like, oh, I, I've seen how these COVID patients act. I, you know, we need to intubate this patient now, or um, no, I think we can give it a day or so and see, you know, those kind of things we've gotten much better with and um, definitely more comfortable with.
2: Um, last question on, on that from me <clears throat> is, is, are you getting fully decked out every time you go in? What's the, What's the get up look like? Has that evolved? I know you said in the beginning you were shit like using the same mask for a week. Has what like standard or procedure has now been put in place? What are you yourself putting on every time to reduce exposure?
0: Some people are really fancy and they actually like the hospitals did not buy these for us. But some people have gotten like things called pappers, which are basically like these things that like they're like these space suits. That would um, be <laughs> I do not have one. I just use, we have like a little respirator. Um, What's nice is it's reusable so I can like kind of clean it off. When I go in the room, I have like a face shield. Um, I usually wear like scrub caps and um, we have, you know, we have a gown that we wear every time we go in that like gets disposed of or, you know, sent to be cleaned. Gloves and stuff like that. Um, So that really hasn't changed too too much, but... We got the respirators about, you know, a couple months in. So I've been using that.
1: Yeah, you can't ever wear full hazmat. Oh my God. Bubble Boy,
2: 100%. Bubble Boy to the of hazmat. Course. So uh, did you ever get sick, Shelby?
0: Um, no. So, as far as I know, I did not get sick. I never had symptoms, at least. I never tested positive. I was tested several times because I had like either high risk exposures um, or actually my husband had it. And mm. I was so mad at him. <laughs> oh. Because oh, that it was sounds- like, that right? sounds
1: like somebody I know, dude. Mm. My wife was so mad at me. Wow. Yeah,
0: because my husband, like, he's not in medicine. Like, he does not like get it. Like, you know, sure. he's like, "Oh, I'm invincible. I'm young. I'm strong. I mm-hmm. like, you know." He does that whole thing, and like, we're me we, either like panic about everything. like because every everything that I see in the ICU was like everything's frisky, yeah. you know. But he's there, like, oh, you know, and then um, so he gets cold, and like the how we knew is like he couldn't smell that was it. That was his only symptom. Thank God. But, um, Hmm. so then like Mm -hmm. I had to stay home with him for two weeks and like, we just had to like quarantine ourselves and, but I never got symptomatic.
2: Did you isolate him? Did you make him like stay away and like stay in another room? No,
0: I mean, I was vaccinated at that point and I was off. Like I actually, it worked out perfectly because I did all my shifts for that month already, like right at the beginning. So, um, so yeah, I was vaccinated and I had all this time off. So I was like, okay, you know, I've,
2: Figure it out.
0: Yeah. And I think like, I could tell, like looking back, like I could tell like he was lying to me, like how <laughs> soon he was symptomatic and I was so mad at him.
2: So how mad, like, was it, was this like a household fight?
0: Um, I didn't find, like, I mean, because I was, like, a part of me was, like, okay, like, I'll feel really bad if I, like, yell at him, and, like, he gets really sick or something. Right, right. <laughs> but, I, wow, you know, fun. I was, like, oh, my God, like, I hate you so much. Like, we got so far. It was, like, literally, like, they're starting to roll out the vaccines to the public, you know, because I had gotten mine right when it really first became available in, like, December. Um, And so, like, he, and I was, like, are you kidding me? Like, we made it this far, like, and now you get it? Come on. Mm. And, like, and then he's there, like, getting upset of, like, he wants to, like, order takeout and stuff. And I'm like, you can't even taste it. Like, why are you trying to eat wow. unhealthy
1: food? Bro, nothing. He tastes nothing. Um, Absolute I zero. Want to think about it. I do not want to think about it. Oh, my gosh. Do you see that? Uh, we're getting another warning. The tornado warning coming back in again. Yeah.
2: Tip to those of you who are listening right now. I while can't we're believe we made us. it this far. in Philadelphia. We are getting We hit almost got, storm. We almost so
1: got taken out before the episode. Hero <laughs> <Your> warning. Uh, <laughs>
2: our warning going off on our phones so do you have yeah, anything else to ask Shelby
1: um she laid it on us today yeah thank you for thank you for giving us some good information yeah. uh, that was I feel enlightened yeah I mean it's, it's cool it's
2: always cool to and we, we grossly appreciate firsthand experience and someone coming from a place that they're experiencing they can speak about it. and you've done it you've seen yeah. it so um Thanks. Obviously, you're one of yeah. the frontline workers. So, what do you guys era. think
0: about like the what do you like as a public? I guess I'm really curious too. Like, what you guys think about like because I heard some skepticism about you know like I know you, Dikembe, you're like in business and things like that. So you you okay. know you obviously are probably more leaning against the shutdowns and things like that. Like, did it affect you guys at all? Or
1: so yeah, during at the beginning of the shutdown, I was still. Well, through most of the pandemic, I was still working in the bank, so they kind of split most of us in half. Some people were able to work from home. Some people, whoever was able to, still work in the office. So seeing the shutdowns that happened all around us was very interesting. You know, hearing the stories from a lot of business owners who were still trying to operate in that type of climate, it was it was an, interest, an interesting perspective to hear, you know, but then also yeah being in a business that was able to work through it, you know, thankfully that, you know, we had our masks on, we, you know, had our gloves on, everything that they can do, you know, they provided, which was great. You know, we were able to continue to work. Now, you know, a year and a half later, we're still in the same situation. And with the thought of, okay, what do we do now if some areas have to be completely shut down again? You know, you would hope that, just like you're saying how the hospitals have improved their their plan and their their response to these things, you would hope that, the cities and the states have also improved over that time because if we do have to go back to something like this it needs to be better than it was before
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or somebody's going to have to float the bill either way right like I'm, i'm on that side where it's like okay listen either keep pumping out the money so people can stay afloat through this time and then figure it out later because just like you're saying this is an unprecedented like a period in all of our lives so maybe we have to just completely reinvent the way we're thinking and say like we need to do something different that's why i'm you know kind of hesitant to just a complete all-around shutdown without a well-thought-out plan yeah but i'm also on the side of i'm not trying to see people out here acting crazy you know saying okay let's rush to every big concert big event knowing that there's still this virus that we're still getting so much new information on and seeing how it's affecting us with this whole new variant you know so we'll see we'll see Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I'm backed up, so...
0: Good, good. I
2: I would consider myself an educated skeptic um, for what's going on. One, because I am a very business savvy individual Mm -hmm. who sees the influence. What you said does well, and I thought carried a decent amount of weight in the beginning when you said that you yourself needed time. You had no supplies. You had to utilize the same mask. You needed time. That was something that I actually hadn't thought about. So it's always interesting to hear something else, right? Like Mm -hmm. you get into a fight with your wife, you get into a fight with your husband, it's always good to try to envision their other the other position. I personally had never thought uh, you know what the nurses probably need this buffer need this yeah. lockdown for help. So that was like the can be said an enlightened point. however, I do thoroughly feel though that it was very difficult on the small business world and mm-hmm. we saw the death
1: of a vast amount mm-hmm. of small business which cannot happen again. Oh and that's what I add on to your point there. I think that's where you know you're going to we don't like it, sh- it exposed our systems. Sure. We're working in the banking and just trying, and just understanding how bad we were at getting the finance into these businesses, it's like okay, the government said here's the money. Now all the banks are saying, how do we even get it out to these people? How do we process all this information? Yeah, I don't know if
2: it directly exposed our our systems. I think it, it exposed our preparation
1: for those types of things. Like, That's interesting. Like because she had said, we talked it right. They had a Well, we had that type of uh, where you want to call the branch or department that was in place right before they said leading up to the pandemic. Which a lot of conspiracy theorists were talking about too, like, oh well, we had these things where they were researching these types of events, but we kind of threw it out the window and said this doesn't matter right now. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder, if it's like, okay, what were what were they looking into? What type of um, preparations did they have in place? Sure, hopefully, you know, they're well. I don't know. We gotta look into those things. Hopefully, they're working on that now, bringing those things back around. But yeah, you see? I, I, yeah, I think um, this changed the world. If you want yeah. my opinion, Shelby, I Absolutely. think this changed the world.
2: I. I am an individual who does believe in freedom, right? And um, I, I don't think, <clears throat> personally, you ask my own thing, I do not think that a vaccine should be mandated. You shouldn't be yeah. told to put something into your body. Yeah. That statistically has a very large survival rate. Percentage is very high, specifically for younger individuals. I think you have access, mm-hmm. you as in the public, have access to enough information out there that you should be able to make an educated decision for mm-hmm. yourself. I don't care what people do, whether they want to get it or they do get it as long as they feel the decision is the best for themselves yeah
0: it's so, so interesting like the freedom because i I don't necessarily think that vaccines should be mandated unless you know if things were to get worse I don't know maybe I would change my tune on that um but well, I think it's let me interesting ask you what,
1: because I think that's where people get a little distorted on it like do people have a problem with the mandate like for the vaccine and would it all help or is it just because certain businesses are now starting to implement or certain institutions are starting to make it mandatory. So because I think just like you said, it's your choice, right? Yeah. But then people have raise the issue where it's just like, wait, now my job's making me do it. Well once again, it's not your business. People love to people love to argue that point years ago for other situations. They said, well, it's my business so I can do what I want to do and it's my policy. So this is what you have to follow. And this is why it's America. Now you see once again, yeah. As mm-hmm.
0: far as like the freedom goes with that, like there's freedom to be able to, you know, basically live the life you, the way you want to live it and things like that. And, you know, being able to keep your business open, you know, and I, I see how, like, and that's the thing that I said, like, I don't think there's a good answer. I think that's a, the, th- the thing we need to realize that there's not a good answer. Yeah. Um, but in, you know, in not shutting down and allowing basically, especially now, like with Delta, like I said, we're at like black capacity or like, and we have been at black status and a lot of the hospitals down here where I am, And you have to think like, that's like, there's freedom to be able to do what you want. And there's freedom to be able to have access to quality healthcare, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you don't have the room in the hospitals to be able to treat people, you know, do you really have like, you're, you're not free in that regard, you know, like you can't just go into hospital and expect the same standard of care. And that's actually why, you know, a lot of nurses and stuff are leaving because they're like, I'm being 40, like I'm supposed to provide some standard that I can't do because, where I used to have two ICU patients. Now I have four, you know, and it's impossible. It's impossible to provide a quality, like standard of care to those people when you're overrun and you're, you know, you're just trying to stay afloat. So like, we've even seen, you know, like I, I can see like, we're, you know, okay, we're, we're just trying to do damage control. We're not, you know, maybe as, you know, as, we're focus, focused on every little thing and we can't be you know and these nurses are overworked and the, if you go to the hospital there isn't necessarily a nurse is going to be there to take care of you we're holding people in the emergency rooms we shut down elective sur- surgeries so people who have like we're waiting to get their you know biopsy done you know to figure out if they have cancer they're having to wait mm-hmm. you know so it's tough it's like you're losing freedom no matter what
1: yeah,
0: um, and it's a really it's a really tough choice and there's no good answer
2: I agree. No, I totally agree. It's a horrible situation. I mean,
1: I guess, I guess that's something that people should think about. It's like, are you really just enjoying this freedom until something happens hoping that you have something to rely on? Someone like Shelby to rely on. Correct. Right. And you go there and it's like, wait, what do you mean nobody can help me? Yeah, but you're also I mean, this is a deep thing. That we should Hold on, I, let me also tell you, so when I was, I was just down in Guyana, right, and we talked about the vaccine, they had gotten a shipment after a week of 5,000 vaccine shots down there. The country has close to a million people. People were standing in line for the entire day trying to get vaccinated. Oh yeah, well, like she said, we're privileged. So I wonder, like, once again, you think about its like, freedoms, like, once again, like, do we? I don't know, we'll never think it all the way through, but it's just like, what if the situation was like that? What if we were literally? What if Philadelphia got ten thousand shots a month, and the people who wanted them would wait in line and get them? Then what would the spread of the virus look like if we didn't, like she said, have other like? shutdowns or certain regulations it would have been really
0: like i if we did not have the vaccine like there's no way that like with how bad it is now like there's no way things would have been okay you know and it's like and actually someone i think he was a veteran i think he was like 40 something years old um i think daniel wilkinson he was a guy who went into some texas hospital um had a gallstone pancreatitis and essentially like the hospital that he went to was like a small hospital. They weren't equipped to do the procedure to be able to go and like kind of extract the gallstone. Um, essentially he died because no nowhere had beds nowhere accepted. Like no one could take him. No one could do the surgery. And it was like an unnecessary death that shouldn't have ever happened, you know, yeah, just because we didn't have the beds, you know, and no one, no one could do this like under other circumstances would have been a straightforward thing. Um, it, it it's really tough. And I'm like, I'm glad in this country, like we have the, the capacity, like we have like, you know, compared to how it is in other countries where we have the vaccine readily available, you know, we have this choice and that's a beautiful thing. Um, but it's so tough because like everybody's right. It all comes down to money and money talks and, <laughs> everyone's trying to like what they're doing. Like, I, you know, like, is there some good faith behind doing the, ma- like the vaccine mandates? Yes. But I think like primarily what they don't want to happen is like, especially like with people in the hospital, okay, you're exposed to COVID. I'm exposed to COVID every day. You know, if I'm not vaccinated, I'm a liability because I could a go into a room, you know, who's a patient with COVID go into the next room, patient who doesn't have COVID potentially spread that to them. That. Family member or that patient. If some that if you know if something happens to them, they could say, "Well, you had a staff member who gave me COVID, you know, and I had this adverse event, and I'm going to sue you now." Likewise, if you're on the job and you contract COVID because you were and like and you were unvaccinated and you you know died or had some critical illness or something happened, you could say, "Well, I'm going to sue my workplace because." I, I contracted COVID and something bad happened. Sure. So I think there's a lot of things like that where it looks really terrible because it's like, oh, they're trying to force us to do things. But I think a lot of this, even like with Facebook, like censoring information, they didn't want to be liable for that information. It wasn't that they wanted to censor it talk you know, necessarily. That. They don't care what you talk about, but they just don't want to be liable for that information. I
2: don't know if that's exactly true. I, I, think, I think that's a big care part of it. About. Did I think see, that's a
0: big part of it. Did
1: you see it happen? I definitely. Well, we, we, talked about that. we talked about this last episode. A for a reason. We well. talked because we talked about this last episode, though, because the amount of trials that they started bringing those CEOs and, and owners of those companies in for, they knew they were about to get hit with a multi million dollar fine if they didn't find a way to fall in line with what they were calling for. Now, whatever you think about the politics, I mean, that's like for once again, people to argue amongst themselves. But you, you look at the financial side. of it. We talked about this. With, think about when you were in your apartment and we were like, wow, they still have this area shut down. Well, yeah, you think about what if one person goes down into this, um, into the community area down here and gets everybody else sick and, you know, oh, of course, and the rest yeah, of the it. ties to liability. 100%. If they can trace it back down to that building and somebody, once again, we live in a very litigious country. If somebody says, oh, now I want to sue this apartment building because they weren't testing people or doing, had the necessary things in place and I got sick here. So you need to pay for my hospital bill. Correct you think that business that that property owner is going to want to deal with that again no no i know I, I agree definitely not i know i agree dude, for the, in those that's, just on, that's just all about the money side so we know we have some people who just love think about the money tell me how you how would you deal with that okay, i agree i'm not paying that insurance yearly mm-hmm. You and insurance, you know well, Yeah, I mean, well,
2: from an evolving standpoint, the way the world's changed, actually multiple large carriers and massive brokers have actually rolled out now pandemic insurance, they which was me. not a thing that existed before.
1: Can the people come see you for that?
2: Um, no. But if they need property insurance, they can. Yeah, we already talked about it. Always plug. Yeah. Always plug. <laughs> always plug. Always plug. Uh, Shelby, in, in a lighter note, one, thank you so much. You sparked a lot of conversation. You got to fired up, which is always good. Um, I get fired up every time. You were super enlightened. Thank you for that as well. Um, from a timing standpoint, what's your content back of the week?
0: Um, so I watched this Netflix documentary called Kiss the Ground. Um, mm. And it's really about, you know, how we think about agriculture and food and how that relates to climate change. Um, I'm like a you know, aside from, you know, people who think like, oh, I get the vaccine and things like that. Um, I'm actually like super into like anything all natural, stuff like that. Um, I'm a big proponent of like gut biome, gut health, stuff like that. So, um, it talked about how, you know, basically we're like sterilizing our soil. It's losing all of its nutritional value. You know, we're not mm-hmm. able to have, you know, healthy crops anymore. And we only have about 50 harvests left until basically we become like a desert in this country. Um, so it's all about how we can do uh, regenerative farming to address both kind of health in this country um, mm-hmm. and also address climate change because the soil is an enormous carbon sink. So is it really like interesting.
2: a docu-series or just one documentary?
0: It's just a, uh, like a, I think like a one or two hour documentary. So one episode.
1: It's called Kiss the Ground on Kiss Netflix. Ground. Mm-hmm. I gotta watch that. Yeah, it sounds cool. I told you because we have some agricultural plans uh, down in Guyana that yes. we have to get into. Incredible. We out. Are- wow, this is perfect timing, Shelby. Thank you. Thank you for this. Wow. Well, about you, bro? My content, right, this week, uh, a little outside the box. Not really. You know me. Always uh, thinking about some goals, you know, thinking about the next thing. So these past couple of days since I've been uh, back, I've kind of just been kind of taking like a step back and just trying to like, look at the goals that I have planned, you know, the things I want to accomplish before the year is out. You know, September 1st, we are moving, you know, to the end of the year, moving into 2022, and I'm like, okay, got a lot of things that you could still kind of knock out, you know, the bark. so how do you really do it? You know, we always talk about that book that I read, The 12-Week Year, I'm like, yeah, we got another 12 weeks left, what can you still, you know, more than 12 weeks, what can you do within this time? So my recommendation for this week would be for people just to kind of take a step back and see like, okay, where are you so far for the year? You know, are you pacing well? Are you accomplishing some of the things that you mapped out maybe three months ago, six months ago, eight months ago? And just reevaluate what you have to do to maybe accomplish some of those things now, or if you can add some other things on your plate, see what you can do. You've got time? Interesting. Whether the content record more of a,
2: I think you should do this. A check. That's it. Your own content. I like that. Tap in your own. Create your own content. Analyze yourself. That's it. Um, mine this week is a show on Netflix that I, I actually crushed in three days and it is called title town high. So
1: <laughs> you right. You saw, you sent that the other day. <laughs> Dude, I was like, what? So
2: it is I was so, like, you must have some so good. So it's, um, a show that follows, uh, Val high school in Georgia and it follows their, their football journey to a state championship, but it like really ties into the lives of the kids as well. Um, like with the girlfriends and social life and it like actually how COVID is impacting I mean, them in the high school. It brings you back, man. Totally. Not that I'm a has been. Um, but nah. it, it totally brings you back and like brings you back to high school and
1: and it was a good show. You need those easy shows watch, Yeah, of course. That's what I talk about. Very light, easy watch. I I was talking about Outer Banks. Have you watched Outer Bank Sheldon? No. Oh, dude,
2: she's on. She only watches like agriculture, like, gut, gut biome. <laughs> no, I
0: oh, I, I can't watch made. anything that's too Not stressful.
1: medicine. I, like. Oh yeah, no, no, that one.
0: I, if it's too, if it's like suspenseful or stressful, like I can't do. I it. I
1: like that with a lot of drama series. I can't watch. I have a lot to of drama like shows. so
0: this lighter thing. I'll watch that because I. Oh, I, I dude, would, dude, you get,
1: have to watch Titletown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to watch death. things
0: that are like dr- like that. My, that doesn't spike my adrenaline that's super calming
1: mm, nice so you're not into like the murder mysteries
0: no i mean oh. okay. not really i okay. not, yeah i like things that Maybe. are like, have, like or like well. heartwarming or some you know at <laughs> least positive okay
1: okay Short my size. whole
0: day at work is like
1: A murder mystery dying
0: and sad and really like stressful so when i come yeah. home like i just want something that's like so you just easy want to come and, home and like
2: watch like boy meets world
0: like yeah, this. like
1: something super light. <clears throat> that reminds me. I got to watch that uh, new uh, Disney movie. It's talking about super light. You know, uh, Raya and the, the Dragon, that movie? That looks I gotta, oh, it's great.
0: Oh,
1: yeah, it was that was so cute. I love that one. There you go. <laughs> you, see, <laughs> you see? You see? I watch a lot of stuff, so I just I got to just figure out which way oh, to go with it. There we go. Well, I got to check it out this weekend. It's hilarious. No, I'm not. Well,
2: uh, Shelby, Kim, said it up. Thank you so much uh, for coming on and like, if you have any other time or any other topic that you feel is prevalent or anyone else that you think you should come on and talk to us because you think they have a good message to spread, please let us know.
0: Well, yeah, I don't know if you remember Kelsey, my what, one of yeah, sure. like my Kelsey best friend Fisher. from high school. The redhead. Everyone remembers her for that. Kelsey yeah. Fisher. I
1: remember Kelsey that. We sure, no, yeah. remember names. Yeah, we remember yeah. Kelsey.
0: So um we actually wrote a book together. So um Rippy. hopefully eventually, you know.
1: Well, you got to let us know when you guys finish that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and is it published?
0: Um, we're working on it. We're trying to figure that out with like, you know, do we self-publish? Because we don't want to like give the rights away to anyone. So mm-hmm. we want all that money for ourselves.
2: Uh, that's cool. We'd love to have Kelsey. Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah.
2: And she could talk about it and then tell the world about you guys' well, yeah, book. So hopefully we'll on.
0: have something to share with the world that's uh, not COVID. Very eventually. cool.
2: Very cool. Well, better we, Me too. With that being said, as always, thank you everyone for listening and enjoy the first set.